On April 10, 1912, crowds gathered at Southampton Beach to wave off what was, at the time, the world's largest and most prestigious ship, the RMS Titanic. The cost of the most expensive first-class parlor ticket was 4350 bucks. That's around $70,000 in today's money. But barely five days after steaming away, the ship was swallowed by the Atlantic Ocean. So let's rewind and go back to what actually happened on that fateful night. The captain wanted to set a speed record for the ship's maiden voyage and arrive early. The ship was deemed unsinkable, so he went full throttle into the dark Arctic waters. After spotting the 100-foot iceberg, the crew desperately tried to steer the vessel away and avoid the collision. But the Titanic was traveling too fast, and the iceberg tore down the side of the ship, creating a huge opening in the hull. It wasn't a continuous rip, and damage was caused in several places. In total, the damage spanned along an area of around 300 feet. But the ship's designers had prepared for the prospect of a collision and added watertight compartments down each side of the ship to act as a buffer zone. Four of these compartments could be breached, and the ship would still stay afloat. But because the iceberg tore down the side of the Titanic, it ripped holes in six compartments. The compartments didn't extend up the total height of all decks and weren't actually sealed at the top. This is why, when more than four were flooded, water reached over the top of the bulkheads and filled the remaining compartments, causing the ship to sink into the ocean. Think of it as water spilling over an ice cube tray. But what if the collision was head-on? Would it still have sunk? Ships are designed with potential crashes in mind and most vessels have collision bulkheads in the bow. Most of all, it's like your car's bumper or crumple zone. It's a safety feature that can withstand a direct hit. The bow could have taken some of the impact, and some experts have suggested that if it hit head-on, only two to four of the watertight compartments would have been flooded. So, in theory, the Titanic might not have sunk, and it might have even been able to continue sailing to its final destination at a much slower speed. The force of impact would likely have been huge, though. But although passengers would have been injured by the force, they'd have been able to stay on the ship to wait to be rescued by other ships, rather than being forced into the icy waters of the Atlantic. Still, one of the Titanic's designers, Edward Wilding, suggested that the force of the impact might not have actually been that big. He told the British Inquiry that lots of people scarcely felt the collision, and he believed the ship would not have sunk if it did hit the iceberg head-on. The ship was also designed with remotely operated watertight doors between all compartments, so any floods could have been quickly sorted out. Because Titanic had six breaches from the side collision, and because it happened so quickly, sealing the doors wouldn't have made a difference, as it was essentially impossible to save it by that point. The ship immediately began to flood, with water pouring in at a rate of roughly 7 tons per second, 15 times faster than it could be pumped out. So, while it sounds like the Titanic would have survived had the ship hit the iceberg head-on, this idea does come with some issues. First off, the collision bulkheads were designed to survive a crash with another ship, not a giant iceberg. If two ships collided, both would absorb some of the impact in their bulkheads sharing the impact and likely staying afloat. But an iceberg is stationary, meaning that Titanic would absorb most of the energy from the collision. If Titanic hit head first, because of the speed it was traveling, 
the impact would have likely traveled down the whole body of the ship. Just imagine a 46,000-ton ship traveling at around 20 knots. At some point, it hits an iceberg that weighs what could be over 100,000 tons. This collision would likely create a powerful force causing massive damage to the vessel. It is likely that seams would split, staircases would come tumbling down, and rivets would burst open across the ship. All that would have potentially flooded even more compartments. This could have caused Titanic to sink in a matter of minutes rather than hours. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. As we all know, the biggest part of it is hidden underwater. So if Titanic had been traveling head-on, it's likely it would have hit the part of the iceberg below the water first, which would send it veering off course. Hitting an iceberg is not like hitting a brick wall. In this case, the ice under the water would have torn open the bottom of the ship and caused damage to the sides. Icebergs also aren't flat, solid objects. If a flat collision happened, the ship might have stayed afloat. But icebergs come in many shapes and sizes, from domes to wedges. Studies have also been done on the steel used to produce Titanic. And the tests show the metal was about 10 times more brittle than the steel we use today. The ship was built before we understood the effects of low temperature on steel. The old steel used to make the vessel would not bend when faced with freezing temperatures, but break. Recovered pieces of Titanic's hull plates show that the hull just shattered on impact. Hitting head-on would also cause a very severe and abrupt stop. So even if the ship hadn't sunk, there would still have been major issues. Think about when you suddenly hit the brakes on your car, or when the bus stops while you're walking down the aisle and you get flung forward. Passengers would have been thrown across the ship, and because the crash happened at night, most people were sleeping, so wouldn't be able to effectively prepare for any sort of impact. This would result in injuries for most people on board. It would be especially bad for those at the front of the ship, where the accommodation for the off-duty firefighters, greasers, and engineers was. But while passengers and off-duty crew may have been thrown out of bed, there would be a lot more survivors than in the original scenario. John watched on in disbelief as he drifted away on a piece of wood in the freezing waters of the Arctic, slowly drifting away. John looked upon the vessel he had worked and lived on as it raised its enormous bow high into the sky, then broke in half, causing a sound that only a crack of lightning could replicate. Distraught and dumbstruck, believing that he, and he alone, knew the dark truth behind the demise of the unsinkable ship, the Titanic. Five days earlier, as the Titanic set sail on its maiden voyage, John worked hard alongside his mates in the coal bunker, stocking up the coal to feed the Titanic's mighty furnace. They had stocked and stored more than John had ever witnessed on any other ship he'd worked on. But this was the Titanic, the grandest ship to have ever sailed the seas. On the Titanic, there could never be too much coal. As they left Belfast and pushed toward Southampton, there was a large bang below decks that went unnoticed. The furnace was roaring, and the turbines were spinning, pushing the Titanic forward at a quickened pace. The crew cheered as the vessel moved forward, unaware of the loud, concerning noise. Arriving in Southampton, Greg came aboard, amongst hundreds of other passengers. With 13 years at sea, his vast experience included the role as a quartermaster on six previous ships. Ready for a new challenge aboard the greatest vessel ever made, He was looking forward to this next challenge of his career. 
Greg came with a wealth of experience, especially with sailing through the Arctic. His role was vital within the crew, understanding the seas around the North Pole. He would be a key lookout as they set to cross the perilous path of the Iceberg Alley. Greg had some concerns regarding the voyage. The Earth's orbit was remarkably close to the Sun and the Moon, causing higher tides. This would make icebergs more prominent, drifting them further away and towards the route of the Titanic as they journeyed to New York. Assessing the lookout tower and inspecting the available gear, Greg found no binoculars. This made him concerned, but the sailors just laughed at Greg. If the deck is short on ice cubes, we'll be sure to plow right through a berg to resupply. A sailor laughed. Greg didn't share this sentiment. Eager to find out why they had been left short-handed on equipment, since he had such a vital role on the ship, Greg inquired further. Sadly, the officer with the keys to the binocular supply cupboard had been removed from the crew at the last minute. Greg couldn't believe something of this importance had been overlooked. For such a mighty ship with so many people aboard and crossing in a particularly perilous path, this just didn't make sense. But not wanting to be fined for breaking into the ship's property, Greg let it slide, hoping that they wouldn't need the binoculars in the end. Ultimately, if there were icebergs expected, a warning call would be made to the captain, informing of any concerns. Little did Greg know that a warning had been received, notifying of the dangers that awaited. But the telegram didn't provide the required prefix, which would have ensured direct delivery to the captain. So the critical warning was just overlooked. John and his crew below decks prepared for departure, stoking the engines. He noticed an essence of thick exhaust, far too heavy than what would be expected from the furnaces. The crew searched throughout the lower decks. Following a thorough search, they managed to locate the cause of the exhaust. It was an ignited pile of coal within a coal bunker. Unknown when it had ignited, a buildup of coal had clearly been smoldering, slowly growing in size. The amount of smoldering coal was concerning. The alarm was raised, alerting an officer to review the matter. The officer assessed the damage and confirmed with the captain that it was deemed to be of little concern, as only minor damage had been caused. John was unsure of this assessment, as he knew that in confined spaces, surrounded by iron bulkheads, an oven-like environment arises that intensifies the heat with time. But the Titanic would power forward making no sense to John as they had only just departed from Southampton. He was sure they would have turned back. John and his crew were ordered to shovel the already lit coal into the furnace and continue shoveling until all the smoldering contents would be contained. You know SOS, don't you? Three dots, three dashes, and three more dots. It's an easy enough signal to tap out in Morse code. It means save our souls or save our ship. The crew of the legendary Titanic had been desperately trying to send this signal for two hours the night of April 14, 1912. There were other ships not too far from the spot where the iceberg took down the mighty titan of the sea. But the call for help seemingly disappeared before it could reach them. The passenger ship SS Mount Temple did pick up a signal and try to respond, but the Titanic never got the answer. So what was silencing the ship's cries for help? some unknown Bermuda Triangle of the North Atlantic? Consider this. Eyewitnesses say the sky was painted with a brilliant aurora borealis that cold, fateful night. Beautiful, yes. But on that day, the northern lights may have sealed Titanic's fate for good. 
You see, the aurora borealis forms thanks to geomagnetic storms. Sounds complicated, but those are basically fluctuations in the Earth's magnetic sphere. And what causes those is the Sun itself. The magnetic sphere is like a protective bubble that surrounds our planet. It blocks harmful solar rays, winds, and other cosmic dangers from reaching us. Without it, life on our planet wouldn't be possible. Earth would look more like Mars. You also have it to thank for compasses pointing north. Experts know the Earth's magnetosphere affects navigational equipment, or disrupts it. Which brings us back to the Titanic. Recently, a published weather researcher named Mila Zenkova proposed a theory that solar flares, which provoked a geomagnetic storm, could have played a major role in the Titanic's untimely demise. Solar flares make themselves known on Earth all the time. Some people are especially sensitive to the magnetic storms they cause. These unlucky folks can feel weakness, fatigue, headaches, and even mood swings. On usual days, the pressure is the same on both sides. The magnetosphere blocks all the bad stuff, and we're all happy. But sometimes, explosions occur on the sun. They can be massive, Earth-sized. These flares shoot out a wave of charged particles that collides with the magnetosphere at high speeds. Our protective bubble then goes on the defense. It shrinks, deforms, and pushes those particles toward the poles. Enter those brilliant lights dancing above the Titanic that night. In the north, we know it as Aurora Borealis. In the south, Aurora Australis, or the southern lights. When the magnetosphere pushes those solar and cosmic particles toward the poles, they collide with molecules of different gases. That's why you get the range of colors. For example, oxygen can be green or red, depending on the distance, and nitrogen is blue or purple. What multiple people saw that night was exactly this phenomenon, including the second officer from the rescue ship Carpathia. He wrote it down in the logbook before getting the distress call from the Titanic. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Auroras are a visible sign of a geomagnetic storm. Now, about navigational equipment. This applies to satellite and radio frequency devices. Remember, they didn't have iPhones back in the Titanic days, so the average person couldn't notice their gadgets going haywire. But navigational devices and wireless telegraph did exist and were actively used. Rewind back to the Middle Ages, when sailors noticed that, on some days, compasses wigged out. The arrows spun in all directions, and people back then had no idea why. It wasn't until the 18th century when French scientists found out that such problematic days occur at the same time as black spots appearing on the sun. Solar flares. The mystery was solved. Now, the Titanic had the most advanced, well-known radio equipment at that time. They tested it thoroughly to make sure it worked for distances up to 2,000 miles away. Titanic's passed them all. On April 10, 1912, the massive liner left Southampton and set off for New York. The very next day, the crew started getting the first reports of drifting icebergs and ice fields. They put dots on the map to mark the coordinates and let out a sigh of relief. All the troublesome spots were north of the Titanic's planned route. But after a couple of days, the warnings were moving farther and farther south, encroaching on the majestic ship. On April 14th, Captain Edward Smith decided to change course to the south in hopes of bypassing the ice. This ended up being a huge mistake. Enter the magnetic storm. 
If it was throwing the navigation equipment off, even by a tiny error of half a degree, the captain could have been mistakenly taking the ship right toward a cluster of icebergs. What's even worse, the radio operators ignored warnings coming from other ships. That, or they simply forgot to hand them over to the captain. As hired contractors from the radio company, they were more interested in transmitting paid telegrams from passengers on that luxurious liner. The radio transmitter kept going out of order that evening, probably because of all this private traffic. When it was finally fixed, operator Jack Phillips received another message from the SS Californian at 10.30 p.m. Their operator was trying to warn Phillips about the coordinates of drifting icebergs, but he paid them no attention. He was nervous and in a hurry. Was the magnetic storm to blame for his frayed nerves and bad mood? We can only speculate. But as you know, some people are more sensitive to these things. The weather was fine, the ocean was calm, the water was smooth as glass. Despite all the warnings, the ship continued to sail at a maximum speed of over 22 knots. An hour later, Titanic collided with the infamous iceberg. On April 15th at 12.14 a.m., in the middle of the night, Titanic's operators started to transmit the first emergency signals. The SS Californian was sailing just 20 miles from the Titanic. They could have easily come to a quick rescue. But 10 minutes before the disaster, the Californian's radio operator had gone to bed. He was the only one who understood Morse code on the ship. According to this new theory, the magnetic anomalies possibly blocked Titanic's messages to other ships. For example, the steamer SS La Providence didn't receive any signals from the sinking ship at all. Yet they were still getting transmissions from another giant, the Olympic, which was 500 miles from the Titanic. That night, the signals were acting strange. They simply got lost somewhere in space, or they were like a jumbled riddle, impossible to solve. The SS Mount Temple did get a message and rushed to Titanic's aid. But as fate would have it, the rescue ship got stuck in ice. She did arrive at Titanic's last known coordinates, but the luxury liner was nowhere to be seen. So were the coordinates accurate at all? The steamer Carpathia was about 60 miles away. At 12.30, their radio operator told the Titanic's crew they were rushing to help. The ship famous for coming to the aid, Carpathia, was going full steam ahead. But here's the odd part. At first, they headed to the wrong spot. The magnetic storm could have thrown its equipment off. Good news is the steamer did end up reaching the right place when they saw the lifeboats full of passengers. Interestingly, once she reached land, the Carpathia didn't have any problems with her equipment. The blackout happened just around the wreckage site. The following investigation blamed radio amateurs for blocking signals. We now might know otherwise. Zinkova explains that at that time, they didn't know exactly how and to what extent the sun influences the Earth. No one could have guessed that the sun could tamper with these massive ships' navigational equipment, especially one that had the best of the best at the time. There's another theory that even the moon could have played a role. That's it for today. So hey, if you pacified your curiosity, then give the video a like and share it with your friends. Or if you want more, just click on these videos and stay on the bright side.